Welcome to Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder Presents, An Uncontrollable Urge. This story begins inside a jet-black muscle car that is driving down a busy street lined with strip malls and fast-food restaurants. Steve, who is in his 30s and wearing khakis and a polo shirt, is behind the steering wheel. Dean, also in his 30s, dressed in just jeans and a black t-shirt, sits in the passenger seat looking at all the passing people. Marcus, in his 30s and dressed very conservatively, sits in the back seat with his arms folded across his chest and a scowl on his face. Dean suddenly slaps the dash, then points out the window. Ooh, what about that one? Steve looks out at a large woman wearing red stretch pants and a flannel top. She's a little big, don't you think? What are you talking about? More cushion for the pushing. You might not think so, but I do have standards. <laughs> if that's the case, then I suggest rethinking them. Because your options are limited tonight. Maybe that's a sign he shouldn't be doing this. Dane turns around and glares at Marcus. Hey, no one is talking to you, jerkweed. Maybe he's right. Fuck him. Just trust me, buddy. When have I steered you wrong? When haven't you steered him wrong? Hey, Astane, who was it that convinced him to buy this sweet ride? You think that was a grand idea? Spending their entire savings on a car they didn't need? Hey, this beast was worth every penny. Besides, it's not like they're living in a cardboard box or something. Marcus, irritated, looks at Steve. Why don't we go get a beer and just hang out, Steve? Dean playfully punches Steve's arm. Uh, can you believe the shit coming out of his mouth? Why do we even hang out with him? Because that isn't your choice, Dean. Steve, your wife will be home tomorrow. How will you face her if you go through with this? The same way he's faced her every other time. Our boy gets no time for himself. If he's not busting his ass at work, he's busting it at home doing whatever that lazy bitch tells him. He needs this. Nobody needs this. <laughs> You're such a spineless pussy. Shaking his head in disgust, Marcus looks at Steve. All I'm asking is you think about it. Steve looks at Marcus, then turns back to the road as Dean throws a pen at Marcus. You like Jill? I've always liked his wife. What kind of a question is that? Well, if you like her, get on fucking board with the game plan because this shit keeps her ass alive. Come on, guys. Do you always have to fight? I'm sorry, but no matter how you try to spin this, I will not get on board. Oh, you make me sick, Marcus. I wouldn't piss down your throat if your guts were on fire. We've known Steve for damn near his entire life, and when he needs your help, this is how you give it? I can help him, but not like this. Let me remind you, you were there for the others. And I regret that every single day. You know what? Just sit back and shut your mouth. Dean looks out at a group of people walking. Bingo! That's the one. Which, which one? Oh, the one in the tight jeans. 
that isn't even a girl. Ugh. What is this world coming to? <laughs> Shit. Maybe we should pick him up for Marcus. Well, what about her? Beth, an attractive redhead in her 20s, wearing a short skirt, white top, and black high heels, saunters along. What are you doing? What? Turn this bitch around. Street meat like that is a rarity. Steve turns the car around. It's not too late, Steve. You can still change your mind. Don't listen to him. Remember how it felt the last time? How much of a release it was? It did feel really good. Damn right it did. Now, I want you to think back to a couple of months ago, when you listened to Limp Dick back there and didn't fulfill that urge. Steve nods his head. I know you still have nightmares about putting that straight razor to Jill's throat as she slept. Don't go manipulating his mind. Dean throws his hands up in disgust. Pull over. What? Pull the fucking car over. Why? Because this is your time to shine, buddy. And you don't need Killjoy ruining it for you. I'm not getting out. You're not. Chill out. I'm staying right here, so I can make sure that my friend doesn't do something he's going to regret. Don't think for a second that I won't drag your pathetic ass out of this car. Steve stops the car across the street from Beth, who is talking to another driver. I'm your friend, Steve, but I can only do so much to help you make the right decision. Furious, Dean reaches back and grabs Marcus by the shirt. You say another word to him, and I'll make your face look like a pile of smashed shit. Why he listens to you, I'll never know. Opening his door, Dean yanks Marcus over the seat and drags him out onto the sidewalk, then leans back into the car. Make me proud. I don't think that... Nah, I don't want to hear that shit. Get your game face on. Go do what you have to do. What you need to do. Steve's knuckles turn white as he grips the steering wheel, watching Beth walk away from the other car. What about you guys? Don't worry about us. We'll find our way back to the room. Dean slams the door closed. Then Steve drives across the street up alongside Beth. Beth looks at Steve, who is rolling down the window. Then she leans in, resting her arms on the door, revealing her cleavage and red bra. Hey, baby. You looking for a date tonight? As a matter of fact, I am. You a cop? Do I look like a cop? Hmm. You look like you could be a lot of things. Well, one of those things isn't a cop. Beth stares at him for several seconds. It's 150 for a half hour, or 200 for the hour. I'm feeling energetic tonight, so let's go for the hour. Beth gets in the car. Do you have a name? You can call me Beth. Nice to meet you, Beth. Steve sticks his hand out. Martin. Beth shakes his hand. So, Martin, do you have a place we could go? I, I have hotel rooms just up the street. Sounds good. Steve looks in the rearview mirror, spotting Dean smiling and Marcus shaking his head as they stand on the sidewalk, then puts the car in gear and drives up the street.
Steve steps into your typical cheap hotel room that has a king-sized bed, dresser with a television on it, and a small table with two chairs in the corner. Beth steps in after Steve. Will this do? I don't see why not. Beth casually strolls over and pushes the bathroom door open, looking in. What are you doing? Just making sure we're alone. You'd be surprised what kind of freaks are out there. Beth sits on the edge of the bed. Do you plan on standing there for the whole hour? Sorry, it's just... uh, I'm a little... Nervous. (laughs) Is it that obvious? Why don't you come over here and let me help you with that problem? Steve tosses his keys on the counter and sits down next to her as he anxiously rubs his sweaty hands on his pants, then reaches out toward her leg. Beth grabs it, then puts it back on his leg. Before those hands touch me, they need to hand over $200. Of course, sorry. Steve pulls out the cash and hands it to her, and Beth quickly counts it, then sticks it in her purse. So... What were you looking to do? Beth casually pulls her shirt off as Steve just stares at her in silence. This tends to be a lot more enjoyable if you actually participate. Beth stands up, sliding her skirt off, revealing red panties that match her bra. Then she grabs a hold of Steve's pants and unbuttons them. Would would you be offended if I turned off the lights? It's your money. Beth pulls his pants off, then leans back and flips the light off. Steve sits on the edge of the bed with his head in his hands as running water can be heard coming from the bathroom. Steve looks up and stares at himself in the mirror. I should just leave. Steve continues to look at himself in the mirror. So what if Dean gives me a hard time? He's not the one that has to live with it. Steve springs up and scoops his keys off the dresser and hurries toward the door and swings the door open and is shocked to find Dean standing there, causing him to quickly slam the door. Shit. Steve paces back and forth in front of the door. What's going on? Open up. Steve opens the door, finding Dean smiling and Marcus leaning against the car with his head down. So, how was it? It was fine. Steve tries to walk out, but Dean pushes him back. Ah, you didn't finish it, did you? I can't do it anymore. I just want to leave. Marcus raises his head as Dean spins around and glares at him. Don't even think about it. Turning back to Steve, Dean holds his hands up. Just relax. This happens every time. You get all jittery, and you grab hold of that chicken switch before you stop and think. Lucky for you, I'm always around to keep you on track. This time it's different. She's a nice girl. Nothing is different. She's only nice because you paid her to be nice. Why don't you take a peek under the bed? For what? Just do it. Steve steps back and kneels down, looking under the bed. What the hell's that doing here? I thought we got rid of it. How could we possibly get rid of something so... sentimental? Steve pulls out a rusty, blood-stained claw hammer. Feels good in your hands, doesn't it? Steve storms toward Dean. Take it. Dean backs away. 
Oh, I don't want it. That makes two of us. The water in the bathroom shuts off. You let her walk out this door and I'll never be able to look at you again. Are you talking to me? Steve looks back at the bathroom, then at Dean. Just leave me alone. Steve closes the door and hurries to the bed, sticking the hammer under a pillow, just as Beth walks out of the bathroom. Were you talking to somebody? What? I heard voices. I had the TV on for a second. Beth looks at the TV, then at her watch. I'll need a ride back, if you don't mind. Back? Downtown? I don't think that'll be possible. Why is that? This might come off sounding crazy, but I need you to climb out the bathroom window. You want me to climb out the bathroom window? It's for your own safety. You're goddamn right that sounds crazy. I'm not climbing out no bathroom window. Beth moves toward the front door, but Steve steps in front of her. You really need to listen to me. Step aside, freak show, before I kick your balls up into your throat. Steve sheepishly moves aside as Beth hurries to the door, but Steve suddenly grabs her and tosses her across the room. I tried to warn you. Steve pulls the hammer out from under the pillow. Now you die. Somebody help me! We can do without the screaming. Steve moves toward her. Stay away from me! Beth grabs the lamp off the table and throws it at him. But Steve is able to duck it, and it sails into the wall, smashing. Beth sprints towards the door, screaming just as Steve swings the hammer, burying the claw of the hammer in the back of Beth's head, causing blood to spray all over the room as she stumbles around, finally falling to her knees as she reaches back, trying to pull the hammer out. Let me help you with that. Steve grabs the handle of the hammer and jerks it out, along with a chunk of flesh and a clump of hair. Then Beth falls to the floor. Help! Steve grabs her ankle and pulls her away from the door as she digs her fingernails into the floor, but they snap off. Steve slams the hammer down, caving in her forehead, causing her body to go limp. Steve drops the hammer and falls to his knees as sweat cascades down his face as he studies Beth's lifeless body, watching blood gush out of her head, soaking into the carpet. Leaning down, Steve whispers into her bloody ear. You should have gone out the window. Steve suddenly vomits. Open the door. Steve stumbles to the door and opens it, and Dean walks in. Jesus Christ, it sounded like you were killing a whore in here. Steve closes the door and stares at Dean, who is looking at Beth's body. I guess if you were going to fuck her now, you'd be doing all the work. This is bad. Well, it's not good. What were you thinking letting her scream like that? The cops are probably coming as we speak. What do we do? Are you okay, Steve? What's going on? Dean jerks the door open and pulls Marcus in, forcing him to look at the body. But he looks over at Steve. I can't believe you did this! Well, he did. Now get your ass out to the car and make sure the trunk is empty. People are going to see. 
Nobody will see if we move fast. We get rid of the body, and the cops got nothing. You're insane! Dane pushes Marcus out the door and slams it. Get the shower curtain out of the bathroom, Steve. Steve looks at Beth's body. Move. Steve tears the shower curtain down, then looks at his bloodied self in the mirror. Move it. Steve runs back into the room, dragging the shower curtain behind him. Now what? Roll that bitch up like a burrito. Steve spreads out the shower curtain next to her, then stares at her bloody body. What are you waiting for? She ain't gonna bite. Steve grabs Beth and rolls her onto the shower curtain, then rolls her up in it. Now use the drawstrings from the blinds to tie her off. Steve snaps the drawstrings down and ties her legs. Steve comes out of the room, dragging Beth's body. Steve drags her to the trunk and flips it open as Dean walks out and glares at Marcus, who stands by the car. This is bad. Whatever. Steve muscles Beth's body <clears throat> into the trunk and closes it as sirens can be heard approaching. Just turn yourself in and end it. Blah, blah, blah. We need to get moving. A police car speeds into the parking lot. Get in the car. Steve gets in the car, followed by Marcus and Dean, as the police car stops behind them. Steve looks back as the police officer, in his mid-forties, jumps out of his car with his hand resting on his holster. Uh, what do I do? Just be patient. The police officer walks up alongside Steve's car, shining his flashlight into the back, then the front. Dean just sits motionless, staring straight ahead, as the police officer lightly taps on the window, causing Steve to roll it down. Is there a problem, officer? How about you step out of the car? Is something wrong? Just step out of the car, sir. I, I don't understand. The police officer pulls his gun out. Out of the car! Yes, sir. A bullet suddenly blasts through the police officer's head, dropping him to the ground. Steve looks over at Dean, who is holding a gun in his hand. What the hell did you do that for? Had to be done. You're nuts. I'm done. Dean hits Steve in the face with the barrel of the gun. Shut your fucking mouth and do what I tell you and I will get you through this like I do every time. Sorry for hitting you, but you left me no other option. We've come too far to let it end like this. Leave him alone, Dean. He said he's done. More sirens can be heard approaching as Dean puts the gun to Steve's head. Now... Be a good boy and get us out of here. Steve backs the car out and speeds away as several police cars quickly give chase. Now what? Dean looks back at the police cars, speeding up. If you don't push that pedal all the way to the floor, the rest of your life will consist of being bent over and violated unmercifully by a gang of prison thugs. Steve pushes down on the gas. That's better. We'll never get away. Never say never. Maybe... Dean <clears throat> punches Steve in the face. Just drive. You've lost it. 
<laughs> and I'm loving it. All of a sudden, Steve slams on the brakes and Dean smashes into the dash. What the fuck? Why did you stop? Steve points out the window. That's why. Several police cars block the road ahead, and several officers are standing with rifles raised. <laughs> you stopped for that? If I didn't, they would have riddled this car with bullets. Those donut-eating bastards couldn't hit the side of a barn. Now show these cocksuckers you mean business. Steve lets go of the steering wheel. No. <laughs> what did you just say? I'm done. Police officers converge on the car and surround it. It didn't have to be this way. Dean pushes the barrel of the gun against Steve's cheek. What's this clown want? Police officer Cooper, in his 30s, walks up to the car with his gun drawn. Go away. Cooper puts his gun in his holster, then holds his hands up. Hey, why don't you talk to me? Tell me what you want. Steve looks at Cooper. Help me. I'm trying. Cooper takes a step toward the car. <laughs> One more step, and I ventilate his head. Dean pushes the gun harder against Steve's cheek, causing Cooper to stop. Why don't you put the gun down? Why don't you lick my balls, pig? Dean looks at Steve. You believe this guy? Steve looks at Cooper. He's going to kill me. That's not going to happen. We'll see about that. Back away. You need to back up. If that makes you comfortable. Cooper backs away and walks up to the police cars. Cooper stands next to one of the police cars as Officer Dunning, in his 40s, stands next to him with his rifle aimed at Steve's car. What's the story? I've seen some things in my time, but nothing like this. The guy obviously has issues. What gave that away? I say we punch his ticket and call it a night. I can get him out. Dean looks out the window at the officers. Those bastards are plotting our demise. Just let me go. It's over, Dean. When they drag his dead body out of this car, that's when it's over. What about my family? What about them? They can't help you right now. Cooper walks up to the car. Sir? Dean pushes the barrel of the gun against Steve's head. And tell your boyfriend to back it up. Please back up. Cooper doesn't move. Does he think I'm screwing around? Dean slams <gasps> Steve's head against the steering wheel. What are you doing? A large gash opens on Steve's head as Dean looks at Cooper. What now, hotshot? Cooper looks at Steve. Why don't we talk about this? He won't let me. Marcus reaches forward and puts his hand on Steve's shoulder. I'm sorry. Cooper takes another step toward the car. Who is he? What? Nobody else is in the car with you. <laughs> what? Are you insane? Do you think that I would be holding a gun to my own head? Steve looks around the car, finding it empty and the gun in his hand. Oh my god. Let me help you. This doesn't have to end bad. Steve, stunned, looks at Cooper. They were never real. I can get you the help you need. Just put 
the gun down. Tears roll down Steve's face as he stares at Cooper. I'm a monster that needs to be stopped before anybody else gets hurt. Sir? Steve pulls the trigger, splattering the windows with blood. No. Cooper swings the door open and watches Steve's lifeless body tumble out onto the ground. We find ourselves back at the same hotel, but in a different room, where Detective Spurlock has Sarah in her 20s, an attractive blonde up against a wall, as they engage in rough sex. A sudden gunshot from out in the parking lot startles Sarah. Sounded like a gunshot to me. Spurlock pushes Sarah hard against the wall, not missing a thrust. Sarah, concerned, forces Spurlock to stop. What the hell? I'm just about to bust my fucking nut over here and you go and stop. You trying to give me a serious case of blue balls or something? Jesus Christ. Don't you think you should go and check that shit out? Check what out? The fucking gunshot, asshole. Probably just one piece of shit killing another piece of shit. Happens all the time. It's nature's way of taking out the trash. Just take a look. Spurlock, irritated, slides his underwear on and walks over to the window and looks out. Just great. What is it? Some dumbass uniform just got himself shot in the noodle. Spurlock watches a muscle car speed out of the parking lot with several police cars speeding after. Spurlock turns to Sarah. I'm going to need you to uh, hang out here for a bit. If you want me to hang out here and wait for you, it's going to cost you extra. I can live with that. Sarah gets in the bed and turns on the TV as Spurlock gets dressed. Spurlock rolls up to a collection of police cars, their lights flashing. He parks alongside one of them and steps out. Cooper, with a surprised look, walks up to Spurlock. This has got to be some kind of record. Well, it just so happened that I was already in the neighborhood and heard all the commotion. So what kind of goat rodeo we got going on here? We got a Vic that had multiple personalities. What makes you say that? He was holding a gun to his head, yet claiming that this other person was not letting him out of the car. Tried my best to talk him down, but he pulled the trigger. Don't go beating yourself up about some piece of shit punching his own ticket. You'll get plenty of other chances to be a hero. Spurlock and Cooper walk over to the car and look down at Steve's body hanging out the driver's side door. That's fucked up. It's a terrible thing. Such a waste of life. Talking about the car. Spurlock leans down and looks at all the blood splattered inside. It's gonna take forever to get all that blood and brain matter cleaned out. I think you might want to check out what we found in the trunk. Cooper walks around to the back of the car with Spurlock following. Jesus Christ! I thought my car had good trunk space. Trunk space? Shouldn't you be more concerned about the dead body? You've seen one... You've seen a million. Spurlock looks around at the other officers milling around. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking you can handle this one by yourself. I'm not authorized to handle a case. 
Screw all that red tape shit. You want to move up the ladder, you better start growing some balls. Spurlock pulls out a business card and hands it to Cooper. Just make sure to have all the crime scene pics sent over to me, along with your notes, and I'll make sure everything gets filled out correctly. Cooper looks down at Beth's body. Can't believe he stuffed her into the trunk. Like she was a bag of garbage. You better get used to it, Slick, because this is the kind of shit you'll be seeing a lot of. This world is crawling with scum, and it's our job to stop them. Yeah, but what about the ones we can't stop? Or the ones that get through the system? <laughs> if you know what the fuck you're doing, you'll find a way. Now, if you'll excuse me, I got myself some fine-ass trim waiting for me back at my room. Okay. Spurlock laughs, laughs as he walks back to his car and gets in. Spurlock pulls into the parking lot of the motel and gets out looking across the parking lot at the crime scene and the other police cars all around it. He walks to the back of the car and opens the trunk, revealing the battered and bloodied body of a tied-up man who is gagged and barely breathing. Holy fuck, are you still breathing? I thought for sure you'd be dead by now. I guess it gives you just more time to think about all those fucking kids you molested. Spurlock looks over the trunk lid, then delivers a blow to the man's stomach. I told you I always win. He reaches past the man and grabs his canvas bag, then closes the trunk. You gotta love trunk space. Spurlock, smiling, walks to his room and goes in. The End Stay tuned for future episodes of Twisted Tales of Madness and Murder Presents wherever podcasts are found.